Welcome to Miranda Warnings Roundtable, discussing legal issues and current events. I'm joined on the roundtable by Liz Benjamin and Professor Vin Bonventry. Liz is the Managing Director at Marathon Strategies, a public relations and communications firm, and former host of Capital Tonight, a political and policy show focusing on New York State politics. And Professor Vin Bonventry, Distinguished Professor of Law at Albany Law School and publisher of the New York Court Watcher, devoted to commenting on the U.S. Supreme Court and the New York State Court of Appeals. This week on Miranda Warning's Roundtable, we're talking about the New York State Court of Appeals. Again. Again, still. Yes. And, and we have a chief judge nominee, Rowan D. Wilson, uh, who's currently an associate judge on the Court of Appeals has been nominated by Governor Kathy Hochul to be the chief judge. And I'm going to guess, Vin, that you're happy about that. And I I say happy because one of one of Associate Judge Wilson's most famous uh, opinions is uh, was a dissent in the Happy the Elephant case. So I'm going to say, Vin, you're probably happy. I am happy, and uh, in fact, as I was mentioning uh, to you and Liz just before we started, I actually found a post I put up on New York Court Watcher in 2013 when Rowan Wilson was first put on one of the lists of the Commission on Judicial Nomination. And in that, even in that post back then, I had no idea who this guy was, but I looked at his resume and said, boy, this guy should be... Uh, Chief Judge. And so finally, you know, after Andrew Cuomo passed him over five times to be on the court, finally appointed him to the court in 2017, the sixth time. Uh, now he's going to be elevated to uh, Chief Judge. I think it's a great day for the Court of Appeals. And I'm going to say the New York State Bar Association in its review of the nominees that came from the uh, Judicial Commission. Uh, found uh, Associate Judge Rowan Wilson to be well-qualified, the Bar Association's highest rating, to be uh, to be Chief Judge. But Vin, let me ask you, what was it in, in 2015 that you thought would make him a, uh, a good Chief Judge? 2013. 2013. 2013, uh, when he was first on the list for associate judge. Oh, for associate, I said, right. You know, in a couple of years. So, I, I said 2015 because, uh, because yeah, that was he, when the, the, the last time we considered the, the chief judge. He had been on the lists several times. He didn't get to the Court of Appeals till 2017. But look, if you look at his resume, if you look at his resume, I mean, you know, Harvard, Harvard, clerking for the chief judge of the Ninth Circuit Federal Court of Appeals, uh, then a uh, senior partner at Cravath, Swain and Moore. I mean, the most prestigious and most powerful law firm in the country. And also, you know, somebody who has been engaged in civil rights litigation, somebody who was the chair of legal assistance for uh, the Harlem. I forget what exactly what the title is, but he just seemed to be one of these individuals that could really make a 
big difference uh, on the New York Court of Appeals and keep it in the direction which I think Jonathan uh, Lippman had been bringing the court. That is to be, you know, one of the most prominent courts in the country protecting civil rights and civil liberties. So that's why I liked him in 2013. That's why I liked him again in 2015. You know, so forgive me. Wait, can I just ask a quick question? Yeah. Was he he was was he on the last list or not on the last list? Well, you mean the, the you mean the first chief judge list this time? The LaSalle list. No, he was not on right. the list. Right. Which, he became the... qualified to be chief judge in three months. Right. It's amazing how that happened. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just that this is, you know, we got it, it, it's sort of uh, the the problem here is we got to a place um, where the progressives wanted to be uh, and it was very messy to get here. And I thought perhaps that this would this would be the end of it, that we would, you know, Rowan Wilson would be nominated, the progressives would be happy. But that's not the case, in fact. And we're actually going, I think, I thought we would perhaps be done with the whole massive battle over the high court and judicial nomination writ large, but we are not. And the Republicans now, whereas they were pro-LaSalle, are making an issue because, and look, I actually think they've got some beef here, which is like the rules got changed related to the selection of more than one individual from a single list. All right. Well, that's a that's a different issue, right? So I understand. But, but what I'm but, it's all the problem is, David, it is a different issue. But as wonderful as Rowan Wilson may or may not be, and I'm not, you know, it, I'm not an expert on um, the judge's resume uh, and 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 history in terms of uh, rulings, et cetera. I am very familiar with Happy, but we'll leave that aside. The the point is, like, unfortunately for him, this is all overshadowed by a bigger issue and a cloud and a fight. Well, uh, yeah, I, and, and I, 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 we could talk about that, but I don't think it's going to really come into play with respect to the chief judge, right? So, well, not his nomination. No, right. So, or I mean, his confirmation I, is what you yeah, say. Yeah, the question I was going to ask you, Liz, was, you know, how do you think this is going to fly in the Senate? Right? We had a, 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 a grueling Senate uh, determination the last time. Uh, it appears all appearances at this point seem to be that he's going to get through the Senate uh fairly smoothly i mean the signals from the powers that be which is you know andrew stewart cousins and uh mike Janaris. i mean what what will be interesting is that yes might will be interesting is like well you know um are you just gonna uh are you just gonna make a decision at the committee level and not actually bother with a full chamber vote because you said you didn't have to last time around but I mean, they did. That, but they ended up doing it. I know, there was a but legal I mean, challenge, this, and they did it. Right. I think oh, they'll do it the right way. I think, okay. right? Well, in their mind, the right way is a different way. Uh, you're saying the right way is well, whatever. That's the way they did it the last time. They did have a full. Senate yeah, only floor because vote. they knew they were going to lose a court case. Yeah, but, and, but this time, this time applies. they know. This time they know by going to the full Senate, they're going to get their way. Yeah, and it's going to be my expectation. It's going to be a party line vote. Of course it is because all the, the Republicans will vote no and yeah. all the Democrats will vote yes and we'll be right back <clears> to the place that we used to be, which is the Republicans the are the Republicans are already accusing him of being a, an extreme leftist, a judicial activist, and all that kind of stuff, which just simply means they don't like the fact that he's a little more liberal than a little more conservative. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, we hear this stuff all the time. Why doesn't he just apply the law? As though in these cases where he's been dissenting against the majority of the court, 
the fairly weak court the last several years, he didn't have any legal support for his arguments. Well, he's far too brilliant to write something where he doesn't have a great deal of legal support for, for his opinions. But we're going to hear that. We're going to hear that from the Republicans. And God bless them. They don't want somebody that, in their view, which I think is accurate, you know, he's much more liberal than the court has been the last few years in criminal cases and in civil cases. So, you know, fine. They should uh, vote uh, the way they believe. They want somebody a little more conservative. Well, you know, he, he had a vote before and he still has a vote now, right? So the chief uh, still only gets one vote. Uh, and so, right? We're, no, so it we're, doesn't. No, look. The chief we, has more than one vote? We know. We like to say that the chief, whether it's the chief judge or the chief justice, only has one vote. But the fact of the matter is, if you have somebody in the center seat who is very, very smart mm. and very, very personable, he's got both of those qualities. They can lead that court in the direction that they want to lead it. They won't win everything, right? But they can lead it. I mean, I certainly saw that with Jonathan Lippman. He would Lippmanize, as they would say, other members of the court. And he would get out these bold rulings, even though you knew there were several conservatives on the court that probably originally disagreed with them. I used to see that with Saul Wachler. He was a Saul Wachler was the most amazing that I've ever uh, seen. He was a, such a towering personality on that court. When he was particularly liberal, the court was liberal. He became more conservative his latter years, and the court was more conservative. So, you know, the chief judge, like the chief justice, can have a great deal of influence on the colleagues. And do you think that uh, Chief Judge Wilson is going to be a consensus builder for that court? I do. And I, and I know that's going to be one of the complaints of the Republicans. You know, mm. he's not a consensus builder. You know, mm. he's been in dissent a lot. OK, would they say that about Benjamin Cardozo, who was in dissent frequently when he first got to the Supreme Court? Louis Brandeis, Oliver Wendell Holmes, the greatest judges in our history at the Supreme Court or at the Court of Appeals oftentimes were frequently in dissent. And then ultimately they were vindicated. Right. And I think that is going to happen with Judge Wilson. And that's because oftentimes when he dissented, the decisions of the court were dreadful. I mean, they really were dreadful. That's what he was disagreeing with the majority about. So um, I think even though I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with dissenting, even if it's a close case, I think in many of the cases where he dissented, the, the majority took took an absolutely dreadful view that just didn't give a damn about uh, rights of the accused, didn't give a damn about workers' rights. So um, I think he, in those cases, he had the much, much better argument. Let me ask you both this. When we started this conversation uh, about the court, right after Governor Hochul uh, was reelected in November, we said, we, we're going to have to wait and see what kind of governor Governor Hochul is going to be in what direction she was going to be going in. And I, I think both of you said it was really too early to tell at the time. But now she's made there's been two two nominees that she's brought forward now to the Senate. So what ha has occurred over the last few months with the court 
and Governor Hochul's nominees that tells us something about the kind of governor that she is. Liz, I know it's, you. Uh, she's incredibly, uh, uh, you know, uh, sub uh, sensitive to outside influence and pressure. And that, you know, is unfortunate. Um, that is not something that I think she would appreciate hearing, right? But, you know, she, uh, there was a reason why she put up LaSalle. I mean, if you understood, if you if you read it all, all the coverage, and there was a lot of it, um, she knew very far in advance that there were people who were not happy with his record, namely labor and their progressive allies, um, a grassroots organized effort to stymie his nomination started well in advance it was not a secret that he was not and she put him up anyway but so didn't that show a little bit of independence on her part no no i would argue that she put him up because she wanted to mollify assuage curry favor with other interests that wanted to see the first latino chief judge and they wanted him for whatever reason, who those individuals might be. Maybe they were donors, maybe they were not donors, maybe they were influential, but she didn't do it in a vacuum. Is uh, She did it for a reason, knowing that it was gonna be a battle, knowing that she was gonna ostracize the left, which politically speaking was not a good place for her because she already had a long history of folks questioning her record on the left, dating back to when she was a clerk. I mean, the folks were around uh, the immigrants' rights community, but uh, were not, with her dating back to the days of Elliot Spitzer and the undocumented immigrants getting driver's license battle that she was at the forefront of on the opposition side. So her progressive bona fides have been long questioned and then subsequently to alienate the left in this manner, especially after she really relied on them to get the, her over the finish line at the end of the day Maybe it was the Working Families Party. Maybe it was labor. Maybe it was some combination of the two against Lee Zeldin in a very, very close race. Um, seemed to me to be politically unwise. And then subsequently to, you know, uh, finally, in the face of huge opposition, sort of drop that, make a complete 180. I mean, I would argue that uh, Rowan Wilson is, is uh, I wouldn't say, you know, completely opposed when, when you compare him to, to Hector LaSalle, but not in the same window in terms of ideology and decisions in the past. I mean, they're both, look, they're both, you know, they're in, in, a, in the eyes of a Texan, they're both liberals. In the eyes of a New Yorker, it's like a different, <laughs> a different kind of thing. So I don't know. I think that this situation was not handled well. And, I, and I'm sure I'm not in the minority on that particular view. Uh, it, she did herself no favors. And there was a lot of even national attention. And now subsequently to be like, OK, I give up. Here's a very progressive guy, um, you know, is is the outcome that these folks wanted. But did we really need to if we were going to end up with Rowan Wilson, yeah. why do we go? Why do we have to go through that whole Michigas? Well, get? well, as, as I think Finn pointed out before. For whatever reason, Rowan he Wilson wasn't on the list. Wasn't know, on but, the list before, but there were yeah. other people who were more liberal than Hector LaSalle or more approved of by the folks who didn't like Hector LaSalle. And we could have ended up with a Rowan Wilson-like mm. individual, but we didn't. Uh, yeah, wait, I don't, wait, wait, I don't wait, wait, think wait. there was anyone on the list before that was like Rowan not Wilson. Not as liberal as him, but... No, I, not even liberal-wise, right? experience-wise, and, uh, no, you know, from the what court. What I'm saying is there were other people on that list that the that the people who opposed Hector LaSalle would have not opposed. Okay, but look... Okay, yes, um, that, that's true. What, I think what you say is obviously you're, you're much better tuned to 
uh, what's political, what's not political. But as far as a judicial matter goes, she has nominated Shirley Troutman. Then she nominated Hector LaSalle. And now Rowan Wilson, Caitlin Halligan. Let's give it to her. She has been nominating very, very strong individuals to be on the Court of Appeals. Now, she has said that she wants to restore the prestige of the Court of Appeals to again be one of the great courts in the country. That's four names, four names that she has given to us. And they are all really great possibilities for the Court of Appeals. And um, I mean, who the heck knows why Rowan Wilson wasn't on the first list? I mean, I don't know. Who knows why Caitlin Halligan wasn't on the first list? It's ridiculous that they weren't on the first list, uh, these two. So I think that the governor, at the very, very least, you can say she's apparently pretty serious that she wants to make the Court of Appeals great again. I think her nominations show that. Well, then, okay, so this is a good segue then to talk about she's limited in her nominations to the individuals put before her in the current process that creates the nominating, you know, the list, right? And now Andrew's for Cousins comes along and says, you know, I think we should do it the way that the federal government does it, which is that the executive just says, I'm considering these short list of people and here's the one you're going to look at. And I think, and I look, I was around in the 70s, but not paying attention at the time because I was too young. But I think that the reason that we did this creation of this process was to depoliticize the the judicial selection. I I think that's why they did it. I would have to go back and look. But now we're saying we're going to eliminate the commission. We don't want it. Forget it. This whole thing. Nope. It, it should. The responsibility should lie with the executive and the buck stops there. Well, that, I, I think there is a lot of truth to that, Liz, when you look back at why it was done in the first place. The New York State Bar Association actually proposed the concept of the commission that would would be based upon merit selection rather than political selection. But it and up until that time. No, but up until that up until I'm just that was the intent. Yes, up until okay. that time, the chief judge and the judges on the court were elected they actually ran and we would have a you know a situation that would have progressed to something like we just saw in wisconsin where you have uh the chief the, yes. the individuals running mm-hmm. for the for the highest yeah. court in the state and spending millions mm-hmm. of dollars and mm-hmm. and trashing each other right. so the selection process that was proposed here that we've been using fairly well for the last 50 plus years uh was a merit selection process that the that started i think with the new york state bar association now it, has that process evolved maybe that we do we need to look at it and reconsider it maybe but do we want the same process that we have in the u.s senate is that the answer where it's a completely political process i don't want to i don't want to like you know age myself here or whatever but i'm 50. So we put this process in place 50 years ago. Do we think that a lot has changed in 50 years and that it is it is a good thing to look at our processes and say, is this the best possible way of selecting uh, a high court justice and putting before the governor, you know, and trying to take out the over politicized nature of that, it's, which is impossible. But I just I don't look, I have not in 50 years, I would hope that I've evolved 
and I and that I am not a static entity. A process for selecting, uh, you know, some pretty damn important positions in this government has not been changed or looked at in fifty years. Maybe I, it's time to do that. I feel like you've evolved just during this podcast. I, have I? You've, you've, you've grown. I'm so proud of you. I'm you've like it's an inch taller. Even, <laughs> you've grown, My spine course, is decompressed from standing course, for so right? long. The politics I, and, of New York have changed. In but in all, in all seriousness, like, I mean, NISPA, to its credit, uh, you know, has also established a task force that is going to be taking a reasoned and measured look at this process. But I feel like some of this is a little knee jerk. And that makes me concerned. Should we be looking at it? Yes. Should we say, you know what, this process stinks and we're just going to throw it all out, forget it. I mean, that it can't be done because you have to have a constitutional amendment, which takes two separately elected legislatures and then a referendum by the public. And if the public even knows how judges are selected anyway, they know now more probably than they did before. But so we've got know, three years at least before before be we stop talking about this three years of Miranda warning podcast we'll have plenty <laughs> to discuss. It'll be good. But let me say a few things about about the commission. Uh, yes, it has not taken the politics out by any stretch of the means has it done that. And in fact, <clears throat> in years past, when apparently uh, the commission didn't care too, too much about the quality of the names on the list, we would get names on the list, which were, oh, Lord, so incredibly mediocre. But but the commission, at the very, very least, weeds out individuals who are completely and totally incompetent and otherwise might be nominated by a governor who just didn't care at all about the Court of Appeals and only wanted to appoint some political cronies who were complete and utter hacks, right? So the commission at least does act as somewhat of a filter. The problem is, of course, you have the governor picking four, right? And then if the governor right, is in cahoots with either the chief judge or with one part of the state legislature, the governor can by and large make sure that who the governor wants to nominate ends up on the list. We've seen that repeatedly. But you have the governor with four, you have the chief judge with four, and then you have the legislature. That's with right. Four, right. That's right. I mean, we look, we, you know, we saw that, you know. When, when Pataki was governor, all of a sudden these people would be on the list and we knew damn well those were people he wanted to appoint to the court, you know? So, um, but it, at least there's a filter that you don't get individuals who are complete and utter political hacks. Now, look, if this is changed so that the governor gets to choose whoever the governor wants with advice and consent of the Senate, if you have a governor that cares about the Court of Appeals, then you're going mm. to get good nominees. If you have a governor that doesn't care, you're not going to get good okay, nominees. Okay, but hold on. Stop, stop, stop. So just to be clear, Vin, we have talked in the, I don't know, how long have I known you, Vin? A long time. Yeah. In the decades, Too long for you, apparently. The decades, that's not true. <laughs> I love Vin more than many people, just to be clear. <laughs> more than many people. <laughs> So the point the point here is, though, how many times have you and I had a discussion lament, lamentations related to the deterioration of the court, right, of the high court used to be something that was significant and people looked to it across the nation and it was a leadership entity and blah, blah, blah. How did that happen? That happened with a process that gave governor, the governor Pataki, really, the the uh, a number of 
you know, appointees that he or potential appointees that he wanted to see. And as a result, then subsequently yeah. those people ended up. So like, how is that any different, really? So you have at least it takes the manipulation out of it. At least we all know that we all know that this is indeed the choice of the executive and the buck stops with the executive. And this is the person they wanted instead of going through this kabuki garbage where we're like there's a pretend commission that isn't influenced by anything at all and it all is like completely political free why well at least it does with a weed out the worst possible nominees to the court of appeals it does do that i think you, you have to give and it you, at least that and no and i think you have to give it more than that too because the way it's set up is that it has to be evenly divided between uh members of both parties right so even though the governor has four appointments two have to be republican and, and they two, choose two have them to be when? democrat tell me the last time and it was it was it was it andrew cuomo i don't i know mario cuomo they, was very interested in staggered. political balance right political staggered. balance for mario was a big deal i think the last republican appointed by a democrat was garcia no, no, no. You're talking about to, to the to the bench, but I'm talking about the commission. The commission. I know, but I'm saying, set... what does it matter if you put Republicans on a list that the that the executive's not going to choose? Who cares? They're not going to choose that person. It's moot. But but I, it's, I, it's I don't pretty... I don't think that I don't think that's been the biggest problem. I think the biggest right. problem has been that the commission actually has put some absolutely extraordinary individuals on their list. And then the governors passed them over. I mean, Rowan Wilson, so Wilson was on the list six times before Andrew Cuomo appointed him. Caitlin Halligan, this is the sixth time she's been on the list. And she's on the list repeatedly. And everybody who gives a damn about the Court of Appeals knows that she's somebody who belongs on the Court of Appeals. And the governor didn't care. And okay, point that, people that's who are much I, less than I'm her. Saying, Vin, you're making my point, but you're both making my point. All I'm saying is, why should we go through the the long process of making up a list when the governor is just going to pick whoever the governor wants anyway? No, no, yeah, you're right. No, I, I was just countering the fact that it's just partisan because Andrew did appoint Democrat after Democrat after Democrat. Yes. The problem was he passed over other Democrats which were much, much more highly well, let's qualified. Let's also be clear. There's only one seat at a time. You're going to pass people over when you make a selection. Good people will get passed over. Bad people will get passed over. Somebody will get selected and not everybody's going to like who that person is. But on, on some of these lists, it was just clear. I get it. I get it. It was just we, clear that there were some that was so much stronger than just, others. Just to be clear, though, the process, though, I mean, we have now mucked around with the process we might as well take a big strong look at the process and figure out where we're at because now we've got this other thing where we manipulate and i'm going back to the beginning here where we manipulate the process where we allow the governor to get two bites of the apple from the same list now caitlin may be fantastic and yeah. you know amazing but the republicans are pissed because they're like and and they have a point at the 11th hour you changed the rules <laughs> <laughs> well not only that it's probably uh, it probably is not a change that the state constitution permits. I mean, you know, you get a great lawyer, a great lawyer like Caitlin Halligan could probably figure out how you interpret the state constitution to allow what the governor is doing. To, to figure right, that out, right. given the fact that to, she's the to, subject of the appointment. Right, but two, sure. two nominees from the same list. But the state constitution and the state law is pretty clear that, you know, a, a list is produced 
Whenever there is a vacancy, we only have one vacancy now, and that's chief judge. We won't have another vacancy until Rowan Wilson is it's confirmed as the chief Correct. judge. And then yeah. apparently under the state constitution, then the commission is triggered to produce a second list. So effectively, the governor has halfway dismantled the commission. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, you know, you, you would expect that uh, if the if the governor and the Senate and the commission did what they're supposed to do, they put out a second list. Caitlin Halligan would be on the second list and the governor would pick her to fill Rowan. Wilson. I think here's my prediction. We're going to see lawsuits. Yes. And we, then we go back to my original point, which is that Rowan Wilson may be the best thing since judicial things since sliced bread. Maybe fantastic. If, if you believe Vin and you're in aligned with Vin's ideology, Rowan Wilson is a great pick. No, no, but hold on, hold on. That may be the case, but forever there will be a little asterisk next to Rowan Wilson about the, pardon my French, that surrounded the fight that surrounded the process that made Rowan yeah. Wilson chief judge. I disagree with that because uh, yeah, I Vin's scenario that he suggested, it could very well go through the process that's constitutional. But it We've, didn't. No, David. no, it did though. It did. We, we haven't, there's hasn't been any sort of constitutional breach right. at the moment. Uh, there's speculation about what might happen. No, uh, Rowan Wilson's nomination it's and completely now, legit. Completely, completely totally legit. I know, but then subsequently there's going to be the way that I understand it is that the the governor has had we'll two picks off the same list. So you're saying nobody's gonna nobody when Rowan Wilson is uh nominated, confirmed, and then and then subsequently his position is filmed for, for filled from the same list, which the governor has signaled right. already. If she, if that doesn't happen and there's a, a name out there and that person gets screwed, that's really bad politics. No, it's the second nomination. It's, it's the, not second the Wilson problem. nomination. I understand, but the whole yeah. thing is tied together. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we're gonna have to see because I think it's undetermined at this point how that the second nomination is gonna is gonna go through. It's very possible. Look, the timing, the court's not gonna be in session for the summer. There's no rush. They could go through they could go through the process and have uh, a full bench by the fall uh, and still go through the constitutional process. That's still possible. I know what's been signaled, but I don't know that that's necessarily how it's going to play out. Now, you could be right, Liz, of course, and we'll come back on and you'll tell me, see uh, how right I was. Um, and oh, 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 see how right you were. Sure. Yeah. sure. Or how about see no, how right you are? Right. I was speaking for you. Oh, oh, OK. Yes. How right you are. You could be then right. I won't you could pass be up the opportunity. As no, you and I'll, and I'll be and I'll say, you know what, Liz, you were absolutely right. And I was I was just living in a as as Vin once said, I was living in uh, Disney World uh, about something or other, which doesn't <laughs> sound like that doesn't sound so terrible, actually. So. <laughs> So, well, this has been fascinating as always. I, uh, you, you're, I love you both, Vin and Liz. Thank you for being with us on Miranda Warnings Roundtable to talk about the Court of Appeals. We will be back uh, as this progresses and to give updates and to give analysis and for, for me to uh, tell Liz that she was right. Um, I would like um, an advertisement and a brass band and a banner for that. Okay. And balloons. For the first time, Liz said something on these podcasts that turned out to be right. Oh. Yeah.
Vin Von Ventry. <laughs> if I was in the same you. room with you, Mr. Von Ventry, I would slap your head, but I can't because I'm in New York City. Well, it, it just gives me something else to look forward to. All right, goodbye. Thank you both. This has been Miranda Warnings, a New York State Bar Association podcast. You have the right to subscribe, rate, and review.